the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, good afternoon everyone, all Sports Day WA listeners. Gee, it's great to be here on this Thursday, the final Sports Day program for the week. Thanks to Hayes, who joined yours truly for the run home. We'll be back again tomorrow between 3 and 5, so we're looking forward to that. What's coming up on the program? We've got the top seven uh, sports stories of the week. We wrap up the week with the top seven. Looking forward to giving you those as well as that, we'll speak to Adam Vogus, the WA cricket coach, after another impressive performance. We didn't get the outright win yesterday against Tasmania. It was a pretty much a flat track at the WACA ground, but there was a lot of positives to come out of that. Cameron Bancroft making runs. A couple of the young bowlers uh, took wickets. So we'll speak to Adam Vogus and also talk to him about Cameron Green as well and get his thoughts on where the... West Australian and Australian all-rounder is out at the moment. Of course, came onto the scene in a blaze of glory. Everybody was giving him huge raptures of what he could possibly be. He just hit a bit of a uh, brick wall in recent times. He's lost his place in the World Cup uh, starting 11 to Marcus Stoinis, and he's pulled out of the BBL. He won't be playing. So Adam Vogus is in contact with Cameron Green. So we'll have a chat to him about that a bit later on. And as pointed out in the run home, I'm going to cross to New Zealand, actually, and I'm not sort of hiding this. So I did speak a bit earlier because there is a five-hour time difference between Perth and New Zealand. I did speak earlier to a gentleman who is getting quite excited. His name is Daniel McCarty. He's the SENZ Mornings host because – and he's calling the All Blacks games – uh, coming up, there's probably two remaining. The semi-final, that comes up against Argentina on Saturday morning our time, and then the World Cup rugby final, probably against South Africa. They take on England in the other semi-final. And both of the nations have won three World Cups. So whoever wins this one will be the outright leader. But it's an exciting time for New Zealand sport, and they could win two World Cups in two populous world sports. And we're talking about rugby and we're talking about cricket because last night they were good again. They've now gone from four games, four wins, and they certainly had a comfortable win against Afghanistan, who are no slouches by any stretch of the imagination because in their previous outing, we know that Afghanistan defeated England. So uh, I'll speak to Daniel McCarty a bit later on. All right, uh, let's have a look for Cobram uh, Estate, uh, the good oil for Cobram Estate, the premier Australian extra virgin olive oil. Regarding a couple of the big stories of the day, and there's no question that Joel Smith from the Melbourne Football Club is the biggest story, was tested after the round 23 match between Melbourne and Hawthorne on Sunday, August the 20th. It was notified by the Sport Integrity Australia unit last week in relation to his finding of uh, cocaine in his system. And the AFL was made aware of the test results at the same time. So it came out last week. Details only released today. No comment now to be made further regarding uh, the situation from the AFL, the Sports Integrity Unit, and the Melbourne Football Club. So quite a significant story there. And there's talk that he could be ousted and probably won't be seeing any AFL football in 2024 
and possibly beyond, you're talking about 12 to 18 months, uh, is the early forecast for the penalty on Joel Smith. But uh, it needs to play out. And the other story that certainly has caught my attention, uh, and we may do more of it later in the program if I get the return call from the CEO of Rugby League WA, is that the NRL is reportedly getting ready to announce Papua New Guinea will be given a licence to be the competition's 18th team. After years of posturing and bickering, the Australian Rugby League Commission is reportedly at the pointy end in its search to find the best host city for its new club. As we know, Perth and WA Rugby League has been fighting tooth and nail over many years to try and get the National Rugby League to house a team here after the Western Reds was part of the Super League many years ago. Now, a report dropped today suggesting the battle between the competing bids is now down to a one-horse race. This is from a document with Australia's northern neighbour all but certain to get the nod. Now, the league has been forced to rush its process, desperately needing an 18th team following the Dolphins' successful entry in the competition this year as the league's 17th team. So there's been an imbalance. So they need to get to 18. It also seems a government cash splash has been too hard for the league to say no to. As I mentioned, and as has been documented, the federal government and even the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has on record stated he'd love to have Papua New Guinea in the Australian Rugby League or the National Rugby League to enhance the fortunes of that part of the region that Australia is so closely connected to. So there is so much happening behind the scenes and my mail is it's simply a one-horse race, according to an NRL journalist in Michelle Bishop. Uh, she stated that today, PNG in to the competition in 2025 to become the 18th franchise and WA's weight will continue even further. A couple of the major sports stories today for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. Very shortly, we'll get into our top seven stories of the week, but let's firstly welcome Adam Voges. He's the WA cricket coach. Uh, another good performance by the WA boys in the game against Tasmania yesterday. It was a draw, but there were certainly some uh, positives to come out of that game as WA cricket continues on its very, very impressive winning run. Six minutes past five. Adam, thanks for joining us on the program. G'day, Peter. Well, as a man, when you were playing uh, of great rapport when it came to batting, I reckon you would have enjoyed batting on the Wacker track over the last four days in the Shield game against Tasmania. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the batting uh, or the batters from both sides certainly enjoyed the, the last four days. Probably not the uh, the traditional Wacker wicket that certainly we've had over the last couple of years. Uh, didn't have the, the same covering of grass um, and, and probably not quite the, the bounce and pace. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty batting friendly. Having said that, you still had to get them. And I thought Jordan Silk played really nicely for Tasmania. And then uh, Sam Whiteman matched him. And uh, that partnership with Cameron Bancroft at the top um, set us up for that big first innings total. Yeah, we'll come back to Cameron Bancroft and Sam Whiteman a bit later on. But saying that... Uh... It's a funny game, cricket, and at one stage yesterday in the mid-afternoon, you'd snared five wickets from Tasmania, and the prospect of an outright victory was really there. Yeah, it was. We we sort of spoke about it yesterday morning uh, before the start of play that, 
if we could get between 100 and 150 in front and, and take a couple of early wickets, and we thought we could put the Tasmanians under a bit of pressure. And uh, credit to our bowling group, I, I thought they did a terrific job. They, um, and again, on a wicket that wasn't really responsive, um, to, to take some early wickets, uh, to have particularly to get those two quick ones straight after tea and, and still have 30-odd overs to, to try and take those last five wickets. We we certainly felt we were in the game and, and the boys had a red-hot crack, but uh, unfortunately couldn't get there in the end. Let's go back to your opening batsman. A lot has been said about Cameron Bancroft and whether the opening will be there at the top of the Australian order. I tell you what, he's ticking all the boxes. Another 91 in this game. And as you mentioned, Sam Whiteman, his opening partner, plundered 188. What a great foundation they gave you. But maybe a bit more specific on how Cameron Bancroft is batting out there and, of course, in the nets because you've been across him for a number of years. Yeah, I think we are all aware that David Warner's retiring sometime through the test summer and that an opportunity is going to come up. And I think Cameron's done everything he possibly can over the last uh, two years, really. Uh, he, he was the leading run scorer in Shield cricket by the length of the straight last year, and uh, he, he started in fine fashion this year with 100 in the first game, and he'll probably be kicking himself he didn't get 100 in this game as well. But um, oh, he, he's batting beautifully at the moment. Uh, he's, he's really nicely balanced at the crease. He's confident in his game plan, and um, he's really consistent in, in the output that he's giving us at the moment. And again, in, in partnership with Sam Whiteman, I think those two over the last three or four years have, have given us a really solid foundation in Shield Cricket with their opening partnerships and, and they're able to do it once again. But uh, yeah, in answer to your question, I don't think Cameron can do much more than what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, Let's talk about a couple of the uh, newer players in the WA side. Now, Liam Haskett, I remember his daddy used to play waffle football for East Perth and yesterday, 11 overs, four maidens, two for 17. Uh, a very handy addition to the WA long-form game. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've we brought Liam into the squad this year. Uh, we, we had him down training with us at the back end of last season and have been really impressed with the way that he's gone about it. He's a big boy. He's, he's a lot bigger than his dad. He's, he's six foot seven and, um, and bowls a pretty heavy ball and, and left arm. So... Uh, he's got his opportunity at the start of the year with with a couple of injuries and with the international selection that we've faced uh, so far this season. But, uh, yeah, we've been really pleased with the way that he's gone about it. And, and to get those two quick wickets yesterday, I think he's just gaining confidence uh, every time he, he bowls. And, um, yeah, I think we're going to see some really good stuff from Liam. I reckon we're going to see a lot of uh, good stuff from Corey Roccaccioli as well going forward. Uh, bowled a lot of uh, overs in this match and returned dividends as well. Took a couple of wickets late yesterday as well. Where do you think his pathway is uh, and what you've seen so far from the young spinner? Yeah, I've been really impressed with Corey as well. I think he's, he's now taken 12 wickets in, in two games and, and those two games have been at the Wacker ground, which isn't notoriously all that spin-friendly. So, uh, Corey gets keeps getting better and improving and, and I think he's uh, enjoyed the, the not the luxury but the benefit of playing every game over the last couple of years and I think we've seen his confidence growing and uh, he's a tall right arm off spinner who gets really good spin and bounce in particular at home and um, we, we saw him go toe to toe with Todd Murphy a week or so ago and, and, and bowled really nicely and uh, I mean, Nathan Lyon is Australia's test spinner at the moment, but can't go forever. And 
I think the way that um, Corey's going and the trajectory of his career at the moment, um, in, in a year or two or whenever that may be, that that opportunity presents, then um, he's he's doing everything right at the moment as well. Where's Cooper Connolly at, uh, Adam? Yeah, Cooper's Cooper's going well. He, uh, he He's out of his moon boot now and, uh, and the stitches are out of the foot and uh, he just needs to get a little bit of training load in now, make sure that the, the foot can... Uh, handle it. He does have a little fracture in one of his toes, but um, I don't think that's going to hold him back too much. And we're certainly hopeful that we'll see him probably not in Premier Cricket this weekend, but we're, we're certainly hopeful for next weekend. Well, that's encouraging. Can I ask you about Cameron Green? Uh, we've seen him replaced in the Australian World Cup uh, team by another West Australian, Marcus Stoinis. Of course, he sort of burst on the scene in a blaze of glory and he's still a young man at 24 years of age and many feel that he's probably in some ways a bit of a shadow of his former self. Uh, Have you spoken to him at all? Is it a case of he's just tired and the body just needs a rest? Yeah, I I haven't seen much of him because he hasn't been home for a long time. But, um, yeah, look, in the brief conversations that I have had with Cameron, um, he's yeah. Look, he's been away for for a lot of a lot of time, and he's played a lot of cricket in the last twelve months. But um, he uh, yeah. Look, he, that that's the nature of being an international cricketer and being an all rounder. And and you make a good point that he, he's still only twenty four years of age, and um, I think his best cricket is still ahead of him. And um, he's he's still learning the game as well, albeit on the international stage. So um, every cricketer, I think, has their ups and downs within their career. Um, Cameron's just battling a little bit of form at the moment. Um, I've got no doubt that a bit of time at home won't, won't hurt that. But um, again, that won't be until uh, at the end of the, um, at the end of the world cup. So hopefully if, if the opportunity does present that um, we, we can see the best of Cameron at the back end of the world cup. Uh, if not, I'm sure we'll see him throughout the test summer. And you're not surprised you're taking a break from the BBL. No, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yeah, look, he he was open and, and upfront with us that um, that if he wasn't in the Test squad, that he might use, he will use that time to have a bit of a break. Um, and should uh, he feel up to it, um, that and he does want to play some big bash cricket, then we still have uh, the means to bring him in as a replacement player. But um, yeah, look, he, he he's indicated that he wasn't comfortable to, to sign a contract knowing that he, he probably would want to break at that time, which is fully understandable. Uh, albeit we would have loved to have seen him in orange, um, perhaps, uh, perhaps this time next year instead. Okay. Good stuff. All right, Adam, thanks for that. And thanks for bringing us up to date. Uh, uh, the Shield games come thick and fast. You're on the road for your next Shield game, I think, against South Australia before they come back here. And as we said, uh, it comes thick and fast. You must be really happy the way the season has started, both in the Marsh Cup and, of course, at the Sheffield Shield, uh, from what has been just an, a mind-blowing last couple of seasons for WA Cricket. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, on the back of the success that we've had, uh, you, you always want to start the season well and, I think with a, a number of the senior players that we've had missing at various times throughout the start of this summer, with uh, we haven't seen Joel Paris or, or Matt Kelly yet. Um, Lance Morris is being managed. We haven't. We've seen Jai Richardson for one game. We've seen Hilton Cartwright for one game. So what it has done is it, it's um, it's given opportunity to a few of the young guys that we've spoken about in, in Liam Haskett and Jaden Goodwin and Cooper Connolly, and it's been brilliant to see these young guys take their opportunity and perform really well. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can continue that in Adelaide next week. South Australia have had a good win against New South Wales during the week and uh, they'll be a good opposition. But, 
um, yeah, nice to see a couple of young guys come in and, and start this season well. And, and, yeah, like I said, hopefully we can continue that next week. Yeah, continue good times for WA cricket. We're really enjoying it uh, from the other side of the fence. Thanks for joining us, Adam, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. Yeah, Adam Vage is joining us here on Sports Day WA for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Now, you can join us on the Temper of Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736, or even give us a call, 131255. A couple that have come through. We're talking, actually, in the run home about players that have gone from the West Coast Eagles to Fremantle and vice versa. And most haven't been sort of the real big names, but uh, Wes in Dinella said, well, David Hines went to Frio as a West Coast Eagles premiership player, which is a good pick-up there, Wes. And Simon of Claremont says, after talking about the NRL and the lack the likelihood now of Papua New Guinea being the 18th franchise in the NRL and leaving Perth and Western Australia again in the outer. Pete, what sort of average crowd would be required here to make an NRL team viable? And do you think it's achievable? Well, it's interesting. uh, My great production team have gone back and looked at the statistics. Now, when the Western Reds were in the Super League competition, the average home crowd, and they played at the WACA between 1995 and 1997, was 10,231. And when you look at the NRL, they certainly do not get the crowd numbers that the AFL does because they play a lot of their games at suburban grounds. Like Manly plays at Manly Warringah and we see the likes of you know other uh, grounds being played at as well. They don't have the huge capacity that the AFL... Because the AFL basically uses the MCG, uh, what was it called, Marvel Stadium... Uh, even Geelong now is being redeveloped. You know, Adelaide Oval, Optus Stadium, it's big, big grounds. In the NRL, they do still embrace. They do play, of course, at Acor Stadium, which is the Olympic Stadium and uh, Parramatta Stadium and some of the others, but they still also play games very much so at suburban grounds and even take the matches to country grounds as well. But anyway, 10,231, and I reckon, you know, that's a that's a fair-sized crowd. So if they did come back in, take it in consideration, that was nearly 30 years ago, you'd probably look at a crowd, I reckon they'd probably get between 10 and 15 per game, uh, if it's sort of a, a game that we see every couple of weeks. But as we've seen in the one-off games, the people certainly come in the big numbers. So thanks for that, Simon of Claremont. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, uh, we'll come back with the top seven sports stories of the week. And during the break, get on the temper of bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. What's been the biggest story of the week? Come on, see if you can pick it. We'll count down seven to one next here on Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Twenty-three past five, Thursday afternoon through Perth and Western Australia. Great to have you on Sports Day WA. Peter Vlahos behind the microphone as we roll out for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. The top seven sports stories of the week. Number seven. The Perth Glory have their third owners in their 27-year history. The announcement came this afternoon that Prime Land Group 
Lead Consortium has announced as the new owners, the chairman-elect and owner, John Nekich, is about to join us on the program. John, thanks for your time. More than welcome. Thank you for your time. Like I said, if, if we weren't bullish, if we weren't confident, uh, we wouldn't be here. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I hope my passion comes through because that's one of the key things and one of the, one of the points of difference. We are, we are really passionate. So from a business perspective, we're quite successful. Robert runs a lot of developments, a lot of diverse projects across the world. I've always believed in the A-League since its inception. I think we can do great things together, but I think one of the key things, and, and that's why I'm so excited, because the current A-League structure, and like, like I said, from Danny Townsend and Paul Lederer and Scott Barlow and, and all the guys there, Jason, and um, we're all moving in the right direction. So there's the new Perth Glory owners that was announced during the course of the week, and then the Perth Glory uh, A-League men get their season underway on Sunday against the Newcastle Jets. It's a double header with the A-League women uh, playing also the Jets uh, earlier in the afternoon kickoff uh, at two o'clock. Number six. It came down to the 18th, and Minwoo Lee with this putt for a 63. <laughs> 30 under par for four rounds. On the Macau Golf and Country Club, Min Woo Lee is the Macau Open champion. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, my last win, so uh, it's nice. Um, I guess we'll see how my confidence is this week, but, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, 30 under on any course is, uh, you know, it's a fun short course, but it was, uh, you know, you still got to do it. And uh, 30 under was a really cool, really cool achievement. Uh, I don't think I've ever gone that low before. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a really cool, uh, cool week. You know, after watching the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup definitely um, rose up in the ranks. Uh, I wanted to be on that team last year, but I uh, just missed out, I feel like. So, um, you know, that was a bit of a kick in the gut. And then ever since then, I've kind of played well. Yes, uh, the Perth Rays rising star. His first win since the 2021 Scottish Open, but came after that excellent year in Europe and the US. And we wish him the best of luck. And there's hopefully some more tournament wins for our very own Min Woo Lee. Number five. was recent, Jack, because obviously the movement that happened over at uh, Collingwood with Lockie Shields probably um, had to speed up that process. Um, we've always had some interest there on those types of players, especially from a small forward point of view and guys that can hit the scoreboard. Yeah, it's obviously a dream come true to uh, don the brown and gold finally. Um, since I was a little kid, used to barrack for them, obviously. So, um, yeah, such a dream come true for me. Yeah, it's weird. Probably one of my favourite players, obviously, Sam. So, um, growing up, watching him, having his number on my back. Um, you know, those are the things that you dream of as a little kid. And then for that to happen, it's just, yeah, so special. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Obviously, Luke Bruce one of my idols as well since a little kid. And I always wanted to play like him. So there you go, Jack Ginevan from Collingwood to where he wouldn't even be more happier than Hawthorne. The 20-year-old small forward declared... As you heard in the interview, couldn't be happier after meeting some of his childhood heroes, including coach Sam Mitchell, and putting on the jersey for the first time as a player. He's a hawk now, and I think he's pretty happy to be there. Number four. Always hated the fires growing up, um, as do a lot of people who don't support the fires, I guess. Hey, Magpie Army, it's Lockie Shields here, checking in from Kenya. Super excited to be joining the family. Can't wait to get over and get stuck into it. But, yeah, listen, we're cognizant of the fact that Lockie's a, uh, a Fremantle um, contracted player, so he had a contract for 2024 with them, and the, the fact that Lockie could um, return to, to Freo and play with them, and they were they would have been quite happy with that. So we, we knew it was going to be a, um, a difficult trade to get done, but you know, we, we uh, in our belief that 
like he was probably the best player in the um, in the traded or, or free agent group. So we were, um, you know, we really excited to have him uh, part of Collingwood. Yeah, and there you go, Graham Wright, uh, the head of the list uh, there at Collingwood, talking about uh, Lockie Schultz, who's now a Collingwood player, and the news came through while he's holidaying in Kenya. Watch out for the rhinoceroses. Number three. Yeah, tough result. Um, I thought we started okay. Our, our first half, our pressure was right up there. But at the end of the day, that's um, the team that won the grand final last year against the team that finished last in 18 teams in the comp and only 10 games. How we play that team is beyond me. That's what you get when you get fixed in like that. It was a comment born out of a lot of frustration and passion. So, um, it was probably the wrong time, or it was definitely the wrong time. Um, wasn't the the view of the footy club, um, and as I said, a lot of frustration in that. Given the second half that we we delivered on the weekend, um, I won't lie, it was a bit of a shock for the playing group. I think when we first heard the uh, heard the comments, and um, I think lucky for all of us, we were back back in the club less than twenty four hours later, and we were able to talk to Mick face to face and um, hear his own ownership and apology. So there you go, West Coast uh, Eagles women's coach Michael Pryor. He certainly backtracked on his criticism at the press conference. He was there with Emma Swanson uh, after making those comments after being belted by 70 points to Melbourne last Sunday. Number two. Yeah. And it is over. And Afghanistan have the greatest victory in their history. Two balls away, or maybe one ball away, Netherlands. He's gloved and the catch has been taken. That's a win for Netherlands. We've just witnessed one of the major upsets in 50 years cricket and World Cup 2. G'day, Pete. How you doing? What are you on about an upset? The Dutch beat the South Africans all the time, don't they? <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, the youngsters and smaller t- cricket teams around the world, I'm talking about all the associates, the Scotlands, the... Um, you know, Namibia, all these sort of teams, they're, they're fantastic stories. And, you know, you're just hoping that they get the right exposure to become really good teams. And we get uh, people talking about the game, not just about the big team. So there you go. That was Ryan Campbell who coached, as we know, the Netherlands for about five years and now is at Durham coaching county cricket in England. He was just in raptures with uh, the Netherlands, of course, upsetting South Africa. And we saw Afghanistan before that upset England. And the number one story, role number one. Number one. Is certainly what happened to Joel Smith. As we know, today he was tested uh, positive uh, to cocaine after the round 23 match between Melbourne and Hawthorne that was played on Sunday, August the 20th, uh, notified by the Sport Integrity Australia unit to the AFL and the club last week in relation to their findings. And as we know, the AFL was made aware of the test results at the same time. So it came out last week, all the details released to the public today. So it needs to go through the process and all parties involved, of course, won't make any further comment. So there you go, the top seven of the week. Uh, thanks to Polaris Plate Clearance Deals on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger 1000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. It's uh, 29 to 6. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
Yes, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. Of course, they play away uh, this weekend against the Adelaide 36ers. And, of course, uh, the leg up is Australia's fastest-growing tipping service. Here's Blake Johnston. G'day, fellas. One play tomorrow in the nation's capital. We're going to Canberra. Race 7, number 5, Cliff House is our best play of the day. I really liked the way he warmed up late first up from a spell over an unsuitable trip. He clocked the third best last 400 metres of the meeting. He gets up in trip now. He drops in grey, but he goes up in weight. Denny Beasley sticks from a good draw, and I reckon he's going to be hard to hold out. Good luck if you follow, fellas. Yes, get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's fast-growing tipping service, thelegup.com.au. For Irrigir, Irrigir is here to save time and water. Updating the World Cup cricket, Bangladesh are taking on India. We're in the 13th over, and Bangladesh won the toss and elected to bat and are no wicket for 77. So good start for them. Of course, Irrigir offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigir is here. And thanks to Lisa Vellenbrook on the Tempera Bedshed text machine. She says, hi, Pete. The biggest story of the week for me would have been the Perth Glory have new owners. And it's pleasing to hear they're going to push for a uh, WA tail. A bit of the text is not there. But good on you, Lisa. Thanks for that. We're going to go to New Zealand next. I spoke to Daniel Hardy a bit earlier today about exciting times in the land of the long white cloud. Could they be hoisting two World Cups in two different sports? The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlaas. Hope you're enjoying the program. It's all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. I tell you what, I sat back last night, as I tend to do after having Din Din, and I thought, what should I watch tonight? And I was watching the World Cup match between New Zealand and Afghanistan. And earlier on, you know, New Zealand were just struggling a fraction with the batting. I think Afghanistan were on top. They had about four for 112. And what they tend to do, the New Zealand cricket team, regardless if they're in a bit of a tight squeeze, they seem to wriggle their way out. And they did that. And in the end, they posted a very imposing score and then routed Afghanistan for 134 or whatever it was and won by a very comfortable margin. Got me thinking this morning uh, on about content for my program is that New Zealand, our near neighbours across the Tasman, are gearing up for possibly two World Cup wins. We're talking about the World Cup of rugby that is being played in France and, as we know, the World Cup of cricket where they are undefeated after four matches in India. I thought we'd give uh, Daniel McCarty, who's from SENZ. He's the morning host, uh, and he joins us on the program now. Daniel, thanks for your time. Peter, lovely to hear from you. Nice to chat to you again. There must be some excitement in New Zealand. Uh, They were good last night, your cricketers, but I gather everybody can't wait for the weekend and the World Cup rugby semi-final in France. Absolutely. On both fronts, it's become, I think, quite real. Um, Maybe the cricket, because there's a little bit too much water going to the bridge before we're really starting to get over the top excited. But 
Uh, if we're talking about the Creek, you're so right. Your summation, bang on. New Zealand were put under pressure by Afghanistan last night. Uh, a, a flurry of wickets uh, and had us in a precarious position. But then they just romp on to victory. The thing I much admire about this New Zealand side, by our standards, it's, it's close to a complete side, as you are likely to see. There's not many... Uh, weaknesses, we've got genuine pace, swing, uh, slow bowlers doing a good job, and we've got an oversupply of quality um, batsmen in the top order. Uh, Kane Williamson is sidelined. Normally that would send um, huge shockwaves around New Zealand and all of us to panic stations, but the likes of Will Young, who's been very good now for a good 18 months, the, the development of Rachin Ravindra, who looks like he's got all the attributes to be a bit of a world star. Um, yeah, We're really happy with that the way that side is trucking on. There's still a lot of water to go under the bridge, as I say, Peter, with the amount of cricket. But I think the rugby's become very real as well. Um, New Zealand were in a very unfamiliar position last weekend, Peter, against Ireland. Mm. We were underdogs at a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. That doesn't happen. I'm not sure if it's ever happened, actually. New Zealand were underdogs, and rightly so. Ireland have been that good. Ireland were probably the best Irish side that I've seen. Um, And will take some topping in years to come. But New Zealand, just the heart determination they showed, I think about 227 tackles they made. That's not how New Zealand teams normally win games. We chuck it around, we score tries, but they had to show great defensive uh, aptitude. So I I think the prospect, especially of the rugby, it's becoming very real. But, uh, you know, there's a huge, huge group of uh, very passionate cricket fans in New Zealand who love what they do with the white ball. And saying that, going into the World Cup, there was some indifferent form for the All Blacks, wasn't there? And many people were just wary on how deep they would go into the tournament. But they, we know they are big game performers and there's nothing bigger in rugby than a World Cup and they're starting to perform. So tell us, uh, Daniel, are they at the peak of their powers now heading into this semi-final? Well, they've come from a long way back, uh, Peter. To your point about New Zealand, we were in wretched form at times last year. Losses to Argentina, uh, who we play in the semi-final at home in Christchurch, was unthinkable. Prior to that, New Zealand lost a test series at home for the first time since 1994. They lost a series two matches to one to to Ireland. So we really were in the doldrums. A lot of soul-searching. Some big changes came in the coaching group. Head, uh, head coach Ian Foster was backed, but not really backed long-term as they appointed Scott Robinson, who's coming into the uh, head coaching role for the All Blacks in 2024. But they uh, juggled the assistance around Ian Foster. And I must admit, from the opening half of um, uh, their first test this year, which Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was against Argentina in Argentina. They looked a different side. Um, They looked like they had the power and the pace and the precision often. Uh, There has been a couple of steps back uh, along this road. They lost to South Africa in London on the eve of the tournament in a warm-up game. You don't want to overreact, but it was just the magnitude of the scoreline that had had us doubting. And then in the opening game of the tournament, they were beaten by a French side. Mitigating circumstances, lots of injuries for New Zealand, but France... Another excellent side uh, were too good on that day. So we've taken a few punches to the nose and the eyes, mm. uh, which can be uncommon. But the way they played last weekend, and with all due respect to Argentina, are not as a, a fearsome proposition as Ireland. Mainly that's, that's my real sign of respect of Ireland. I really rate that Irish side. 
I think New Zealand fans, maybe not the All Blacks themselves, but New Zealand fans are already looking ahead to a final, I would think. Yeah, you Granted, we only have one eye open, Peter, don't we? Oh, exactly, and let's cut to the chase. It looks like being, uh, you'd think, South Africa, the Springboks against the All Blacks New Zealand in the World Cup final there in Paris. You'd expect South Africa to beat England, and as you mentioned, uh, certainly New Zealand, unbackable favourites to beat Argentina. Saying that, New Zealand won the World Cup three times, South Africa has have won the World Cup three times and they are the reigning World Cup champions, winning it four years ago. Now, it's going to be live in New Zealand on 8 o'clock Saturday morning, your time. How how many people will be watching this over their cornflakes on Saturday morning in NZ? <laughs> oh, you're into the millions. Our population, um, what, just on 5 million. I think Sky Sport, uh, pay television provider and their streaming services, uh, announced gleefully that uh, I think they had the, the largest television audience in New Zealand for that quarterfinal against Ireland. I would expect similar numbers. It would be even bigger numbers for the final. You're so right. South Africa are the defending champions. New Zealand won the two previous World Cups. Uh, guess who won 2007? South Africa. So the last four world titles have been shared between these two sides. And I know people in the Northern Hemisphere might grumble going, oh, it's the same old, same old. But this would be the first World Cup final between these historic rivals since 1995. And I'm sorry, for a World Cup, I would quite like the best teams to be playing yes. in it. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a bit of romantic people wanting Argentina to upset the Apple Cup. I'm with you, but I, I, I just can't see it being anything other than New Zealand and South Africa. And it will be a huge audience. Absolutely enormous. Uh, and, and we can't wait to see it play it out. No. We can't wait to... To call it alongside Christian Callan will be a lot of fun. No, it'll be huge. Uh, saying that, if New Zealand, and they were so stiff not to win the previous uh, Cricket World Cup against England, if New Zealand win the Cricket World Cup and the Rugby World Cup, uh, it's mind-blowing considering that you're playing against nations, including Australia in the Cricket World Cup, have got so much more people to choose from. What makes New Zealand so good at these sports and so competitive at these sports, considering the smallest nation that you are? Well, rugby's always been in our DNA. Uh, it's been with us since, uh, you know, we've been able to throw footy balls around as, as young kids, right? Um, New Zealand has um, some issues at the top level as far as their competition structures, but it all comes down to player base, doesn't it? Um, I think we've been able to produce world-class talent uh, right across the fields um, and in great depth for our numbers. Um, our school system is incredibly robust. In fact, you could argue it's too competitive. There's too much sort of uh, onus put on performing, you know, in rugby circles at, at our high schools. But there's such a competitive sort of uh, landscape from, you know, juniors all the way, all the way through. Uh, I would say there's lots of IP with our coaches, with, with three coaches around the world. I, I think we're quite an inventive sort of nation too. Um, I'm trying to say this humbly to an Australian audience, Peter, this could be a little bit difficult. But you look at little things, the way they defended the last line-out against Ireland, they, they, they put a play that they haven't used all year. Um, uh, when they scored a try against Ireland off a four-man line-out, it was the first time they ran that play in four years. So there's the intelligence to go with the skill, the depth. And I also think the demanding nature of the New Zealand public really does help elevate the All Blacks. They know they have this incredibly high bar to get over. Um, at times, the criticism can be very harsh, unfair, but, but I think it all works together, if that makes sense. 
Now, as far as the cricket, we've had our ups and downs over the years, especially in the red ball game. Uh, you know, Test cricket uh, has been lean because you know, joking. You know, you can joke about New Zealand bowling attacks, the diddly dobblers. We had a lot of them over the years. Pop gun attacks, which sort of struggle to take twenty wickets and tests away from home. But we've always been a good one-day cricket side. The, the record speaks for itself. We made the World Cup semi-finals in 1975 at the first tournament. That's the first of eight appearances uh, in 12 previous World Cups getting to the final four. So we always punch above our weight. I just, I know New Zealand fans would really like us to now land that knockout blow, Peter. We, we lost six straight semi-finals before making it to a final. We made the last two. Um, and I think New Zealand would absolutely lose their mind if the cricketers who play with a real humbleness to them, uh, they're a very together side. Um, I, I think they're very well liked and respected in New Zealand. Um, and that you know the results we've seen over the first four games, granted it's been a reasonably softest draw compared to others, um, has people now starting to think, oh, semi-finals um, look certain. Um, or very likely, I should ra- I should say rather. And then once you're in a semi final, anything can happen from there. Yeah, no, it's exciting stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us, Daniel. I know it's exciting times, and the first obstacle is certainly the semi final Saturday morning, your time, eight a.m., three a.m. here in Perth, Western Australia. We've got a lot of New Zealanders here, a lot of rugby fans, and they'll be getting up to watch it as well. And by the way, England and South Africa is Sunday morning, three a.m. Western Standard Time. Of course, 8 a.m. in New Zealand. I gather everybody in New Zealand will be watching that to see who New Zealand play in the Rugby World Cup final. Thanks for your time, mate, and we'll keep in touch. Enjoy the weekend and go the All Blacks. I like the sound of that, Peter. And next time we play the Socceroos, can you let us get a goal? (laughs) Yes, 2-0 in the match, uh, of course, at Brentford in London during the course of the weekend. Yeah, I think Australia's got the measure over New Zealand, certainly in recent times when it comes to soccer. Nice to have a chat to Daniel McCarty from SENZ uh, talking about uh, New Zealand uh, on the verge, possibly, of winning two World Cups in rugby and cricket. Uh, We'd love that, wouldn't we? Uh, Beaumont Tiles, by the way, is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're with a chance to win TNC's apply. That's the program. Thanks to my executive producer, very handy title, Jimmy Williams, and also to Heater, Paul Heath, for panelling the program here this afternoon. Have a great uh, weekend. Sports Day will return at 5 o'clock on Monday, but I will be back tomorrow for the run home with uh, Paul Hayes will be in for Damien Martin. I am between three and five tomorrow. We'll talk then. Have a great night. To achieve the ultimate success, everyone needs to be heading in the same direction. And as we head into the off-season, I've never been more confident that we can achieve this as a club. Since the 2021 Premiership, Melbourne has had anything but a strong culture. Goodwin's words on Friday were just that, words. And everyone, including Oliver and the rest of the players, may have been scratching their head just what direction this club is going. Do Melbourne have a strong culture? Or are you seeing through what I believe was spin from the coach Simon Goodwin as he got up there and tried to tell us all how strong the culture of the club is? To sit there on grand final day and watch them, you know, hoist the cup and get the medals, I'm sitting there going, geez, our team's so much better than these guys.